Hello, everybody. I'm Brett McDermott, your host, and this is Doing Big Things, where every week we are going to speak with entrepreneurs from around the world that are doing big things, and we're going to try to find out what habits, systems, and mindset are allowing them to move forward with their lives in a powerful way. I am super, super excited today because I get to interview an up-and-coming powerhouse in the field of interior design. We've been close friends for a long time. I've watched her meteoric rise since she launched her firm 2017, only five years ago, and she has already been a strategic partner in designing some of the most beautiful residences and buildings up and down the East Coast, from single-family new construction to early 19th century renovation to 70-unit buildings. Her firm, Donnie Douglas, takes on her personality of fearless design and flawless execution. Her work has been showcased in publications like Forbes, Yahoo News, and Apartment Therapy, definitely doing big things. Jacqueline <laughs> Isaac, thank you for being on the show today. Hey, Brett. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so give the audience a, a quick update on, on what, um, you know, one or two projects that you're currently working on. Yeah. Um, well, the coolest stuff we're working on right now, um, 18,000 square foot home in Monroe, New Jersey, um, wow. which is down near like freehold area, horse country of, of Jersey. And um, we're working actually on a multi-unit building in Melbourne, Florida, which is kind of cool. So uh, cool. in-state and out-of-state stuff. Totally different. I mean, very different projects there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we have a client who I don't want to say has no budget, but the world is her oyster when it comes to design. And then uh, when it comes to development, obviously there's a lot more restrictions. So it's using both sides of your brain, I guess. And uh, it's been fun. Does either one of those projects kind of like excite you more? Are they both kind of just intriguing and exciting in different ways? They're so different. Um, even the clients are very different, um, new, different challenges, but really cool design either way. So very cool. Very yeah. cool. So you've got, you know, a very interesting journey and uh, I think it's a, probably one, a lot of people then can relate to, you know, there's definitely people listening right now. They've, they've got these passion projects that they aren't pursuing for one reason or another, but they wish they were. Now, now you were not always this rock star business owner with, with a rocket strapped to her back and Forbes and apartment <laughs> therapy and all these amazing things. Now you transitioned from a more traditional nine to five corporate job and started the business on the side years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, what what was it that kind of flipped the switch inside of you, gave you the courage to, to pursue your true passion for design? Um, I mean, I remember coming home one day from my nine to five, which was in advertising. Um, if anybody has worked in advertising, they know it's a grind. And I looked at my husband and I said, uh, they couldn't pay me a million dollars to walk back into that office. That's how depressed I was. That was it, huh? Um, yeah, that was it. So I had always done some design for myself on the side. It was never, um, you know, something I actually thought about for a career. So I side hustled it for a really long time until I had the courage to just be like, see ya. So, so this builds up over time. It was, it was something that was in your mind for a while before you really developed the the courage to kind of truly pursue it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I would recommend if anyone can kind of handle the workload of a full-time job while building a side business, just for financial security and giving yourself a little bit more confidence in building a business that you really love. I mean, I, I would, I don't regret, um, you know, making the slower move to a full-time role at, 
you know, Donnie Douglas designs, um, taking my time. So what did that look like though? You'd work nine to five, you'd come home and then work for what, like three more hours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Then you work uh, your five uh, to nine. <laughs> is that really kind of what that looked like in process when you were, you know, doing it that way? Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to maintain a full-time career, but you know, in your heart of hearts, you know, you've got one foot out the door. So it's definitely difficult. I think it was more of more difficult on your mind than it is on your schedule. Um, you sure. know, I was in my, I'm in my mid thirties, but I was, this was five years ago. So early thirties, um, you know, I, I have the energy for, for that level of, of commitment and work and to do something that I really was passionate about. But I think when you find something that, you know, you could make money doing and also absolutely adore doing it, Sure. You're not exhausted thinking about it. You're so excited to get home and like tackle all that stuff. So sure. It gives you energy, you know, and yeah. I think for a lot of people, it's finding that work that actually brings them energy as opposed to sucks it out of them. It's a totally find that you've got to be pretty grateful that you did. Mm -hmm. um, have you always been an entrepreneur at heart, you know, growing up, or would you say this is kind of something that you've grown into? Um, I would say I definitely had like an independent spirit. I'm okay. Middle Eastern and Italian, and I don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would say it started there, but I mean, you and I have been friends personally for a long time. So, you know, my parents always pushed me to, to do bigger and better things. My dad has always worked his butt off. He's always had, you know, multiple jobs, um, you know, even into his, you know, his fifties, his sixties. So sure. I think seeing that there's no excuse for hard work just was ingrained in me. So, yeah. Was this your first business though? That like the design firm, was that like the, the first official small business that you pursued? Um, I had a, like a little digital marketing firm. I actually found the old postcards that I sent out. It was called mini media marketing. I don't even know where I came up with that name. And it was like, oh, it's kind of catchy. It could, that could work. <laughs> I like alliteration. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Everything in my life is like double letters. Um, but I would send that out and I would do social media management for people. But, um, you know, that was just kind of like the first foray. And then I got really into like jewelry design for some reason for like six months. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a jewelry designer. So it's not my first business, but definitely the first one that um, was taken a little bit more seriously. Nice. So. And I think that's like good for people to hear too, because there, there's probably so many people that have been wanting to start a business for like 10 years, but just don't know what to do. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to start, you know, two or three smaller businesses before you realize what you should actually be doing, but just to yeah. kind of start taking action and, and you'll figure it out as you go along. hundred percent. Yep. Um, I, you know, I, I always love when I'm talking to like high performers to just talk about work ethic a little bit, you know, I think to, to do what you've done in a, a pretty short amount of time and to build what you built, um, you know, work ethic is, is such a huge part of the equation. Um, I personally, I think work ethic is a skill. I think some people are born with it, raised to have incredible work ethic. And then some people have to really develop it over time in life. Uh, for myself, I'd honestly say I'm a person that, that's had to work on that quality. And it's still something that I work on today, not something I was necessarily born with. Yeah. Um, you know, have you always been a really hard worker or would you say like, this is a skill that you've, you've kind of had to develop over time? Um, I would say I've always been more of a hard worker than not. I don't, you know, I'm sure there was a period of time where I was lazy, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, college, you know, high school, we all have our periods of time, but yeah. for the most part, you've said, 
you are usually one of the the harder workers in the room. Would you say, regardless of yeah. what situation it is? I'm I'm an overachiever and a, and a perfectionist. So uh, unfortunately, I have the too much of a drive sometimes, and I'm annoying with that. But yeah, I would definitely say hard work more. Definitely more had the skill set than had to work on it for sure. Gotcha. So. And you mentioned like your parents too. Is that kind of you think where it came from? Is just watching your parents work really hard as you grew yeah, up? For sure. I mean. They are just two relentless individuals. And I think as I've gotten older, I look at their energy and I'm just like, I hope to God that I can sustain, you know, a busy life like they do well into my, you know, into my older golden years. But um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's influence around you, right? So if you're constantly surrounded by people who are, you know, not uh, pushing themselves as hard as they possibly can then you probably will also feel the same way. Um, so for me, just being around that all the time, there's no excuses in my house for being sure. lazy. Sure. Um, my parents made that very clear. <laughs> so. but let's actually kind of jump into that super quickly. Like, so do you kind of abide by that, you know, five people around me methodology? Like, do you really try and surround yourself with high performers? Do you have some people in your inner circle that maybe aren't striving for greatness? Like, do you really try and manage that, um, you know, who's around you on a consistent basis? Yeah. I mean, I would say as I've gotten older, my circle definitely has gotten a lot smaller. Um, And I would also say I'm definitely unapologetic about that. Like, I just think as we get busier in life, um, we don't have time to be around people who are just draining us from an energy perspective or just mm-hmm. draining us from a work perspective. Like you just, you don't have time. There's limited time during the day as it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I try to definitely keep my circle very small and just with people who really inspire me to just kind of keep going, keep motivated. Yeah. It's so true. I mean, just getting face to face or voice to voice with people that are really going for it in life you know, you take five or 10% of that conversation with you and you do feel a little bit more driven, even that day after like, honestly, a big reason I started this podcast, I was like, maybe this thing will be huge, but even if it doesn't become huge, at least it'll get me face to face with awesome people. And I'll take some things from that conversation that I can install in my life. Cause there's, there's just something to it. I mean, energy is certainly a two-way street and surrounding yourself with really, you know, go-getter type people, Uh, it's important. It's really one of the biggest success hacks I think there is. Yeah. Well, you're one of those people that I see on social media, just like doing your thing on the streets of New York. And at any time I think that I shouldn't be posting a reel because it's not great or, you know, I haven't really uh, dived into editing it. I just think of like how off the cuff your stuff is and how good it is and how many gems you capture just like on the streets of New York. So, you know, you're one one of those five. (laughs) Great. Awesome. Happy to be there. Uh, And I appreciate that. Um, are there any like specific habits that you'd say that, that you do on like a daily or a weekly basis to kind of help you stay in peak state, help you continue to take massive action? Maybe it's meditation or journaling or something in that realm. Um, goodness gracious. This is always a tricky question. Cause I don't have like a hard routine or specific habits. I would just say, um, just get up and kick ass that that's your routine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm amazing. Um, no, I think for me, it's a lot of self-talk. Um, it's a lot of just reminding myself, like I I have a very big imagination. So, you know, there's oftentimes where I'm just like daydreaming about all the big things I'm going to be doing during the day. And then I have to remind myself like, Oh, well, it's, 7.30 in the morning and you're still scrolling Instagram. So maybe you should get the hell up. So I think for me, it's just, it's a habit of self, of positive self-talk. I got very into hot yoga this past year. And I think 
one of the mantras that I have always said to myself during the class, as I was, you know, gaining, um, a better practice was strength and focus. So, um, for me, that's, if I have to default to like some sort of mantra to get into the mindset of actually, you know, taking massive action and getting things done, I try to just get into a headspace like that. So I wouldn't necessarily say there's habits or things that I do on a daily basis, more so like the self-talk is. Yeah. I like that. So will you actually say the words like strength and focus to yourself? Like that mantra, like during yeah. the day when you feel like you need it? Yes. If I find myself like dilly dallying or, you know, just wanting to go for, you know, to, to walk around and, and, and just do nonsense versus work. I'll just sure. to remind myself, like, we need to get these things done today, you know, sit down, you know, strength and focus. That's it. So. No. Yeah. I like that. I think it's important. Sometimes I think when we talk to ourselves or at least when people are talking about self-talk, it's always about like being so positive towards yourself, but you also have to kind of put yourself in line. And if, if you're not doing what you need to be doing, you are your own boss. You have to be like, Hey, you know, listen, Jacqueline, we've got some things we got to get done today. So we yeah. probably don't have time to, you know, go to the farmer's market today because we've, <laughs> we've got seven or eight things on the to-do list that are super urgent. And, yeah. you know, ta- being your own coach and certainly being, you know, um, you know, positive toward yourself is important, but also kind of keeping yourself in line, I think is super important too. that. I mean, that that's really interesting. Yeah. And I think as a woman, like we are constantly told, you know, be aware of your negative self-talk and self-care Sunday and like be a little easier on yourself. But I would also say there's value in like being hard on yourself and just recognizing when you're having like a slow day because you're just being lazy or you're having a day that like you really could be efficient with your time, but you're scrolling Instagram. Like it's okay to be tough on yourself, especially as an entrepreneur, you're the bookkeeper, the marketing person, the client service director, if you don't take action, then your business doesn't move forward. So it's, it's okay to be hard on yourself sometimes. I like that. I like that a lot. One of my favorite mantras that I recite to myself that I learned from a productivity coach, his name is Tom Bilyeu. Uh, he um, has a podcast called the impact theory. And um, it's a mantra he would recite to himself when he was feeling resistance to work. And it was when I make a plan, I follow through. This is who I am and this is why I win. And th- that's something for me that I say to myself a lot when I've still got like seven or eight things on the to-do list, but I really just want to go to the driving range and hit golf balls. Right. I'll recite that to myself. And I will say a lot of times it, it does work. It actually gets me to do the work that I know I need to be doing, even though I don't feel like doing it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you got to kick your own ass and that's okay. I love it. I love it. Um, so I listen, you're clearly a woman of massive action and, um, you know, it, it's so important to take massive action consistently daily. If you really want to do big things, um, you know, what would you say really keeps you taking action on a, on a, on a daily basis? Like at the very core of your, why, you know, if you've ever really drilled down to this, do you think it's maybe money or fame or maybe love and respect from others? Maybe it's impact or maybe it's just a genuine love for the process, or maybe it's a combination of things. You know, what do you think is the real driving force behind the force that is Jacqueline Isaac? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I don't have a formal education in interior design. So me, it's always been about kind of proving that I can, I can do this number Mm -hmm. one. So for me, it was, you know, building a reputable business, number one, um, you know, money is important, obviously, but I don't think it was ever really the driving factor. I think what's been nice about 
having a successful, you know, business has been proving to myself that I can financially support myself in, sure. uh, you know, in a business that I'm passionate about. And I really love versus just being in a career where I have to, you know, where I'm just getting a paycheck. And I think that's the most exciting thing. It's definitely an interior design, um, really exciting when you're recognized for your design and your work. So sure. I think for me, it's always just been, you know, running a really good, authentic, solid business. Mm -hmm. Making money from it has also been very nice. <laughs> so now, It's interesting that you said like, you know, you don't really come from like a traditional design background. I'd assume most of the other firms that maybe you're competing with might have someone at the head of that firm that might have a more traditional design background. Um, do you find that that, you know, plays into like your motivation a little bit, almost like a chip on your shoulder? Like, you know, sure. Maybe I don't have the same, you know, education design wise as you do, but doesn't mean that I'm, you know, any worse at this. I'm probably better at this than you. So, you know, some, some type of that methodology. A little bit. I actually think, um, some of the most successful interior designers don't actually have a formal background in interior sure. design. Um, you know, uh, especially the ones that have product lines and things like that. Like you think of Chip and Joanna from, you know, Magnolia, or, um, I think it's Shay, uh, from McGee and Co. She, okay. Both of them are not uh, formally trained, but they run multi-million dollar businesses. They have million dollar business lines with uh, Target and HSN. And that I think is a motivating factor for me not having the design degree. But I think for yeah. me, the chip on my shoulder is what we design is very different, um, sure. very custom. It's kind of weird. <laughs> um, you know, if I wanted to make more money, I think I would do really well if I just, you know, shut up and designed white kitchens, but I'm not sure. to that. So I think that's more my chip on my shoulder is that I, I have something to prove from an alternative design perspective and, um, you know, any level of success that I can, I can bring to the table for Donnie Douglas doing alternative style design, um, I think is, is way more exciting than just talking about a, a design degree, you know, so. I love it. It looks like you're sitting in uh, your office here. I mean, it looks like a beautiful office. Looks like it smells <laughs> of uh, rich mahogany in there. Um, there might be some, some books on the shelf there behind you. Uh, a couple. <laughs> uh, couple. So it's, as people know, I'm a huge believer in lifelong learning. You know, I think that if I look back at any massive periods of growth in my life, um, a book or a mentor has pretty much always been the stimulus. Now, have you had any uh, special books or special mentors along the way that have really kind of molded the way of your thinking? Yeah, I mean, I would say, um, I mean, there are two individuals that I can credit to just one, my success and two, like constantly pushing myself. One is, um, you know, uh, he's a real estate broker actually in Hoboken. Okay. His name is Jesse Halliburton. Um, he's not your standard um, broker. He's, you know, he has, he was kind of the first person to really take a chance on me and and let okay. me define, referred me to clients and really helped me build, build my business. And anytime I'm, you know, thinking about the next phase of the business or, you know, if I have any doubts about my own capabilities, getting on the phone with him is just, such a, you know, a nice way to remember how far I've come. Um, sure. he was client number one and, um, that's huge. Yeah. My other, uh, mentor is actually, um, one of my kitchen cabinetry vendors, um, Kuche Kuchina, uh, okay. his name is Amir. I actually met him through my networking group, BNI, and he was our, I think he was our director. And, um, 
he just runs such a tight ship and a great business for such a really long time that I look to him for advice on, you know, hard client questions or, Hey, you know, this client's giving me a hard time. What do you think I should do? And he always just reframes it in a way where you're thinking about the longevity of your business. Sure. Um, you know, I want to have a business that lasts a very long time that has a great reputation. So he has one of those businesses. And I think trying to align myself with someone like that, who is just very well known around the area has been in business for like 30 years. You're just like, how can you be doing this for such a long time? Right. Yeah. Have such a good reputation. And like, deal with all of these ups and downs in the economy and, and, and clientele. And, you know, I, I just think that longevity is very inspiring. So I credit him for that. Very um, cool. So you keep in touch with these people on like a regular weekly or monthly basis and just kind of bounce ideas and questions off of them. Mm -hmm. All the time. I call them so randomly. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. So important, right? It, regardless of what level of success you have, there's always someone out there that you can use as a mentor to bounce questions and ideas. Oh, off. yeah. You know, none of us know it all. We, we, we no. really don't. Um, how many people work at Donnie Douglas currently? Four. Excellent. So, so, you know, you're, you're leading, you're, you're delegating. I mean, that, 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 that's serious business there. Is there anything that you've learned as a, you know, being a good leader, what's important to being a good leader over the past few years? Yeah. Um, delegate or you'll burn out, um, okay. <laughs> for sure. Is that something that you struggled with in the beginning? Uh, did you like, do it all and struggled with yeah. the delegation part of it? I'm very, I'm totally a control freak. Um, I think, you know, you know, my husband, so like there is a calendar invite for everything that we have going on in our lives. I will not apologize for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, in order to scale a business, you have to, you have to be okay with delegating. And that was terrifying yeah. to me and I'm still not great at it. Yeah. Sorry, Samantha. Um, but learning to delegate and being okay with failure, um, yeah. which like, for me, it was just, I was so afraid to delegate a task because I was like, I can do this. I can do this the best sure. and it's gonna be faster for me, you know, whatever. Um, and there's been times where my team has totally dropped the ball, but sure. they needed to drop the ball to never drop the ball again. And I had to let them do that. And that I think is the scariest part of building a business is delegating and knowing that your team's going to fail, but it's okay. As long as they don't do it again. <laughs> I love that. They needed to drop the ball to never drop the ball again. That is yeah. awesome stuff. I, that's so true. It really is. Um, let's jump over to like, you know, handling your time and, you know, let's talk a little bit about like using your time efficiently. Like you just said, there's a calendar invite for everything in your life. So you, you're yep. clearly, you know, of course of the mindset, that time is money. Um, that anyone doing big things in this planet uses their time well. You know, that is just one thing across all high performers. They use their time well on this planet. Um, you know, do you have anything? Let's start with the distractions. Do you have anything that distracts you on a regular basis from staying focused on your work? Instagram. <laughs> but that's tough though, because it's also a big part of your success. So it's like, do you, you know, where do you draw that line where it's distraction? And then where do you draw that line where it's actually helping my business? Yeah. I mean, constantly following and unfollowing people, <laughs> probably <laughs> like my first rule, because I find that if I'm following a lot of, you know, um, accounts that aren't aligned with inspiring me to create like design yeah. content or finding cool audio to create things with, then it's a waste of my time. So I'm quick yeah. to like unfollow people. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you get to be a creator on Instagram, you get paid for your reels. So you actually get paid for the time that you spend on there. So I try to just really make sure that what I'm looking at is 
you know, really focused on um, things that I could deliver to my clients, new ideas, new products, new vendors, um, and, you know, supporting um, some of my designer friends as well. So it's, sure. um, sure. So it's almost kind of like the, you know, the five people around you methodology, right? Like totally. the conversations, the people you're around are going to rub off on you and the content that you expose yourself is also going to rub off on you. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I like that a lot, you know, kind of maybe do like a Instagram audit once a month, go through your followers, yeah. which of these people are actually adding value to me and my community and which of them aren't. And if you're not, mm-hmm. it's probably time to go. Yeah. Instagram actually makes it a little bit easier for you. So if you click on your, who you're following, It'll yep. tell you who you're least interacting with. And a lot of these accounts I have followed for a really long time, but they're right. I don't actually know the owners of that business. I don't interact with their content. I don't even know, remember where I was following them from. So that's an easy way to kind of go through and just make sure you're not seeing that content. And then once you start to unfollow certain people, you start to see all new content from people. Maybe you followed for so long, but you just haven't seen their stuff because the algorithm um, doesn't show it to you. So very smart, very smart. Yeah. Um, here's a question I'm always interested in when I'm with a high performer. Are you more of a to-do lister or are you a time blocker? What What would you put yourself in category wise there? To-do lister for sure. To-do yeah. So like paper to-do list, app to-do list. Like what, what does your to-do list actually look like today? Like where are you crossing things off? Is it all in your head? <laughs> Everywhere. <no. laughs> um, it usually, so it should start in Basecamp. I'm obsessed with Basecamp. I'm a huge Basecamp advocate. Basecamp should okay. pay for sponsorship. Um, but yeah, it's usually in Basecamp um, and I assign to-dos to my team um, based on you know uh, certain projects and things like that. But a lot of times I'm just kind of writing, I just need to empty my brain. Um, so I do have a separate to-do list in Google Docs where I go through just categories of things like client work, marketing for Donnie Douglas, side projects, um, personal things that I need to get done. So sure. I just I, I just need to get it out of my brain. So it's- yeah whatever yeah. way possible. Sure. There's a lot to that. You get out of your brain. So then you're actually free to focus on whatever you're doing at that moment, yep. you know, without that little to do kind of, you know, wandering around in the back of your head, bothering yeah. you. That's the worst feeling ever. <laughs> it's not a good feeling for, especially for a person who's trying to do a lot of different things you yes. know, within their business. And so there's yep. a lot of little to do's that can be wandering around in your brain and, and driving you nuts. Yep. Um, back to just social media for like a second. Yeah. You you built a really large following. I mean, 27,000 followers on Instagram for anyone that's listening and trying to build a following, they can definitely understand how hard that number is to reach. And it's a number that, you know, 99% of people on Instagram will never reach. Um, It's true. What does your, you know, social media process, you know, look like? Are you, are you jotting down ideas all day? Do you batch film your content? You know, overall, what do you think has allowed you to grow on social media the way that you have? I mean, I have to credit the one viral reel that really brought us that number. Um, yeah. You know, it was a a quick little, um, uh, a quick, I think maybe five second reel of a bookcase that I bought at an antiques show in Texas. Yes. I put it up on a Saturday at 12 o'clock, which I never post on a Saturday. And it went viral. And I think it was 26 million people like viewed the reel. I know it's crazy. So we went from like 7,000 followers to about, I would say 23,000 followers in a matter of like a week and a half. 
That um, is, I mean, so. that's absurd. Uh, yeah, it is absurd. <laughs> in a week and a half. So you saw this bookcase, you thought this would be cool. You mm -hmm. edited the video yourself, I guess, just put like a trendy, you know, trending sound behind it yeah. and then basically posted it. Yeah, it was like, show me something you spent way too much money on, but don't regret it at all because it's freaking sick. And it was like the perfect little setup. But literally, I just I didn't really think that hard about it. I was like, this is a cool bookcase. Let me just put it up because right now my theme is brown and I've got some wood tones on my feed. So I'm just going <laughs> to post it. And it just I mean, I think it's on. I don't even really have a TikTok and it's on TikTok like I being it's just all over the place. I know I should have charged for rights to use that video. Absolutely should have. I mean, it's very cool. Though. But listen, that's not the whole reason that they followed you, right? I'm sure that's the reason that they looked at your page. And then once sure. they saw the page, they said, oh, okay, like she posts legit content. I will follow her. Mm -hmm. uh, so even though you can credit all of this one viral video, there's a lot of other work that's gone into you being successful on social media. Did yeah. you film your content? Do you write down ideas or you just kind of think of an idea and then shoot it and post it? Um, I never batch film anything. It's a lot of like off the cuff stuff, um, but I do try to plan. So like I do have, um, you, you know, some things shared in Canva with the team. Um, I will always, always anywhere I am, I take videos because reels are the thing to build your Instagram right now. So pictures and photography are over. You should always just be taking videos of everything or even live um, photos on your iPhone um, just so that there's some movement you can put behind an audio. Sure. And you're always, you, you pay close attention to your grid, right? Like you want your page to look, you know, you're in design. You want your page to look, I remember at least previously, this was a focus of yours, your grid looking aesthetically pleasing for potential followers. Is that still? Yeah. Um, it isn't, it isn't. It used to be, it took a long time to plan that stuff. And I found that I was sharing a lot of things that weren't my own work. Um, so now I'm just experimenting with hardcore, like real posting every single day. Um, cause I found that, you know, that one reel that went viral, it really had nothing to do with the aesthetic. Cause I had started sure. to not do that anymore. So I don't know, it's always changing. I'm just trying to figure out what everybody likes, which I, I think is cool furniture. <laughs> so, it looks like it's certainly one of your content pillars that, that that's worked out. Yeah. How many reels a day are you posting currently on average? Usually just one. One? If, if one I can, a day? Yeah, yeah. I mean, minimum, I would love to do at least two, but too much brain power for me. So. It's a lot of content. It is. Yeah. Posting two reels a day and running a business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what What would you say is you know one of your biggest challenges that you're currently facing in in, in work and life? Um, definitely scaling. Um, there's a lot of things. I have a lot of ideas. There's a lot of things I want to do, but I'm only one right. person, and I've never wanted to own or run a firm that's massive. I'm big on quality over quantity, so. Um, it's a weird balance of like, do you hire a bunch of people so that you can do more things in the hope that, you know, all of that will pay off in terms of more projects. And then, um, you know, I think the anxiety of just having somebody on payroll, um, you know, pushes you to, to take massive action and do bigger things. But um, for me, it's just scaling the business without burning out. For so. sure. For sure. And interesting that you mentioned like just having someone on payroll lights a fire under your butt. Like I think there might be a lot of, you know, small business owners out there that are maybe hesitant to spend on marketing, hesitant to hire that first person because they don't want to go underwater. Yeah. Um, do you see it the opposite way? Do you think it's important to kind of put a little pressure on yourself as an, uh, as a solopreneur, maybe make that hire, maybe invest in marketing early on to kind of light a bit of a fire under you and inspire action? 
Yeah. I mean, I would say for me, it's always been like dipping my toe into the waters of whatever it is I'm making an investment in. So sure. with marketing and things like that, I'll give myself a budget. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, throw hundreds of thousands of dollars at something. I'm going to see if it works. And if it does, I'll scale it up or down. Um, I was just getting to a point where for my employee, uh, Sam in particular, my designer, I knew that I needed someone to be running around, you know, doing a lot of the stuff that was taking up my time when I couldn't even get proposals out the door. Like I was losing business because I just didn't have the time to sit down and create a proposal. Like that's crazy. So that was an indicator for me that like, Hey, I'm going to spend this much money on salary, but at the end of the day, she's going to take all of this off of my plate. So I should be bringing in X amount of dollars a month because I have the time now to network, meet new people, send out email newsletters, do all the things I need to do to drum up new business. And um, that's how I made that decision. But yeah, for sure. If you're, if you, if you're paying for someone's healthcare or their rent and you're responsible for that at the end of the day, it definitely lights a fire under your butt. <laughs> sure. I think it's a great way to look at it, right? Dip your toe in and then, you know, see, am I getting ROI on this? And then we either scale up or, or we scale down from there as opposed to just feeling frozen, you know, you can try things out and then see how they work over time and then decide yeah. if they're worth more dollars or not. Um, you know, a question I usually like to end on is, you know, for people that are, are listening right now, maybe they've got a big dream in their mind. They're not taking any action towards it. You know, they feel totally stuck. Uh, how do they get unstuck and start taking action? Oh boy. Um, I would say for me, um, I think a lot of people get trapped in the idea that like they're going to be hit with inspiration and motivation right. and then they'll start to work. And for me, I just recognize that I need to start doing something. I need to either start to do the work or I need to just take one step forward in order to get motivated and get inspired to, to do even bigger things. And that's always been like a little bit of a mindfuck for me is just like, you have to actually start to move forward in order to like get to where you want to be versus waiting around and like, you know, the inspiration uh, fairy hits you. And then all of a sudden you're finding you're working on like your best piece ever. Like that's not how it works. You have to actually start to do the work, um, to gain the results. So for me, it's just like, take one step forward, you know, um, download the course, write, you know, a couple lines in your journal. Um, you know, I don't know, download the app, do whatever it is that you need to just take that one step. And then hopefully it'll just, you know, continue to build for you. I and then totally agree with that. Like when I, I've probably had the idea of starting this podcast in my brain for years, and then but not knowing like what the hell to do first. And then eventually right. I, just, I just put in my calendar one Monday, I just said like, take action on podcasts. Like that was my calendar event. Yeah. And I just sat down and focused on it. And I just started, you know, figuring it out. You just got to yeah. start taking action and figuring it out. Everyone's going to do things a little bit differently. Um, you can only learn from people books as much as, as you can. And then eventually you got to start taking action and do it your own way. And now you're on podcast number two and all you had to do is send me a zoom link and here we are. So here we are. unbelievable. Thanks. Jackie, thank you for being here. This was a lot of fun. I think the listeners are going to get a lot of value. Uh, where can people follow you, keep up with you, see what you're up to taking over the world, doing big things, mm -hmm. all this cool stuff. Uh, Donnie Douglas designs with an S.com should really be where everybody finds me, but I'm very active on Instagram. So it's Donnie Douglas underscore design. Um, say hi, give me a follow. I look at everybody who follows me. So I will probably end up stalking you as well. So <laughs> let's do it together. Awesome stuff today. This has been episode two of doing big things. Keep it real guys. And we'll see you soon. Thanks Brett. Bye guys.